0: And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful.
1: I have a bad feeling about this.
0: What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad,
1: and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. Uh, We apologize. We skipped a week for the episode. Uh, Such is life. It gets busy. It's the holidays. Work is nuts. What are you going to do? But hey, we're back. Uh, And as promised from the last episode, we are going to be talking about body swap movies. So uh, without further ado, Chris, I will just kick it over to you to introduce the picks and a little bit of backstory of why you chose them. Oh,
0: hell yeah. I mean, well, so this I think I've said this on an episode before, but there was definitely when we were talking about the concept of good, bad, what we, and really just talking about making a podcast where we get to talk about movies. There was a short list of movies that I wanted to talk about at length. And one of those movies is our, 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 our what pick for today face off. I'll just toss out there. If you saw the title of the episode, you already know it's one of the ones we're going to talk about. Um, But I, I knew from the very beginning that I needed to squeeze this into an episode body swap made the most sense and I think with the other two picks it's going to help to really kind of like contextualize the highs that you're able to achieve with these themes and then just the absolute
1: bottom of the barrel lows. I feel like he did a good job binding these together because all three of them also involve a body swap uh, with an animal. One of them's a cat, one of them's a dog, and the other one's Nicolas Cage. when did you write that how long have you've been waiting to use that joke <laughs> sometime it's been a while I probably wrote that like a week ago <laughs> you got a post-it note stick it up on your monitor don't it's forget. Right by my it's by my webcam right now I was like okay I gotta i gotta put that joke in there. <laughs>
0: But I mean, we can we can get into it because we gotta we gotta get through. I mean, I, I won't mind talking about this first one, but that, <laughs> ooh, the second one's gonna be a, a, a rough conversation. But yes, um, but yes, uh, my, my picks this week are, of course, the good is going to be Soul uh, from 2020, directed by Pete Doctor and Kemp Powers. Uh, the bad is Love on a Leash from 2011, directed by Fen Tian, and then Face Off uh, from 1997
1: by the uh, the. Unforgettable, the legend himself, John Woo, um, greatest movie ever made. What it's doing in the what, I don't know. But <laughs> I
0: and I we had the conversation because I honestly like really, like wanted to put it in the good, but like it, and we'll get into it. But it's like it's not a it's not a traditional good by any sense at all. It's fun. It's as crazy <laughs> as the craziest of the what movies we will ever talk about on this show are it's just the execution done by john woo is so good that you have to give yourself pause and be like is face off just a legit great movie like yes. capital g great movie <laughs> yes the argument is there <laughs> we'll get into it but we got two other movies before we get there <laughs> fuck it we're not talking about solo love on a leash we're jumping right into face off <laughs> Oh man! Uh, no, no, we won't do this in reverse order because we'll, we'll burn out all the energy up front. Um, but of course, and also full disclosure: originally, my good pick for the episode was Big, um, right. which I hadn't seen since I was like, a young kid, and I had like fond memories of. Um, but then upon a rewatch, I realized like it's it's a it's a fine movie. Uh, it's basically the takeaway is that. Tom Hanks is incredibly charismatic and fun to watch on a screen. Um, and it's cute, it's got some good themes, but I think the themes are explored better and in in depth uh, uh, much more in Soul than I would see in Big. I think it's kind of surface value and played more for the yucks and for the jokes than in, in Big. Whereas in Soul, it actually gets pretty existential with identity. Um, and, and tackles, I mean, in, in true Pixar faction, tackles a, a lot of things that are very heavy and that you wouldn't expect to be
1: confronted with when watching essentially a children's movie. I would agree. And and um, yeah, I would just just say straight up, yes, I, I, I love this movie and I was so, so happy that you picked it, um, especially since just given the state of the world last year, um, you know, I just wasn't really putting out so much output, whether it be a podcast or in writing, to talk about it. But Soul was easily one of my favorite movies of last year, if not my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's interesting, you know, like looking back and sort of like re rewatching this movie. I mean, yes, it's only a year old of a movie, but, um, you know, it's co-directed by Pete Doctor, who like for my money, it, you know, it, it may be because it's animated and people kind of just don't really think about that. But when people talk about like the best directors working today, how Pete Doctor is not on that list is, is sort of baffling to me. I mean, when you look at his resume between uh, I mean, like for one now, because uh, I was I was looking out in research for this episode. I was like, does he have anything coming down the pipe lately? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no. And the reason being, um, and, and why Kent Powers, who also does a fantastic job here, I think co-directed the movie is Pete Doctor stepped in as Pixar's chief creative officer after mm. John Lasseter's whole it, 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 Me Too embroilment. And he stepped right. down. So Pete Doctor is sort of leading the creative charge over at Pixar. And for good reason. I mean, the resume, look at that. I mean, Monsters, Inc., up. Inside Out mm. and now Soul. I mean, like not a bad little little <laughs> list to put throw together. What a hell of a run. Three, yeah. three Oscar wins there. Um, you know, in, in and of themselves. Like that's pretty, pretty damn impressive. And um and and yeah, I mean I, I was my bar was pretty high going into this movie because my favorite um One of my favorite Pixar movies, my favorite movie of 2015, one of my favorite movies of the 2010s was Inside Out. And so like coming into this movie, I was like him tackling an existential crisis after tackling, you know, the sort of thorny, you know, subject of feelings. I'm like, oh, this like, I mean, this seems ripe, but Inside Out was such a high bar that I'm like, oh, could he top that? I'm not going to get into whether he topped it or not, but he at least matched it, (laughs) I would say, for my money. Um, and, and, uh, cause it, it's, it's incredibly existential. It's also very funny. Um, it it's got to, you know, two terrific leads to people who mm-hmm. like, honestly, for my money, like physically on screen, haven't like turned in a performance in a while that I have like really, really latched onto. But I think both, both Jamie Foxx who plays Joe in this movie and Tina Fey who plays you know, soul 22 are just great. And like the chemistry mm-hmm. they exude together like it's also, I mean, of course it's a silly comedy and of course, you know, we'll get into it more. Body swap is the, um, category here. So we'll get into that aspect of the movie, but, um, yeah, I think the movie is like disarmingly, like it's, it's funny. It's disarmingly like existential, emotionally strong. And, um, you know, of course we'll have more to say, but lastly, just before I forget, I think, the, the three MVPs, if it's not Pete Doctor or any of the actors, are Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Bastille, whose yeah. score is just next level in this movie. Holy crap. Um, it is, I know I made this joke with Hans Zimmer and Dune, but I think it applies here. That piano on fire meme that goes around, mm-hmm. it's just like, hey, hey, Trent Atticus, we're doing a movie, it's an animated movie. It's, it needs to be good, but you don't need to go that hard, and they, they went that yeah. hard. We need like a
0: plucky uh, tune to carry us through this kid's movie and fucking like, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: so good. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and like, it it, it's, it sort of keeps in theme, right? Where it's like everything about the movie is better than it has any right to be. And Pixar has been doing this for a while. I mean, I've always said and, and will continue to say that WALL-E is my favorite uh, Pixar movie so far. And I think that the the next one that's come closest for me is Stole. Um, it's like... I I I love it a lot, and I, I saw it last year and really enjoyed it. And then uh, on this uh, recent rewatch, it just really sort of like hammered home all of those like feelings that I had about it. And then I'm glad that you brought up Inside Out because where Inside Out was, you know, mostly sort of talking about the perception of self and how our you know our emotions can guide our actions and guide our thoughts and 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 really determine our place in the world. Whereas I, I feel like soul takes that same concept and expands outward and 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 really is it's like it's not just about the self and what's happening inside of your inner turmoil but what about every other person on this planet what if every other person on this planet is able to step back and think about where we are at in the universe and why these things matter and what are our passions and is your is your passion your uh your your destiny. Is there such thing as destiny? And I, I love like sort of tackling those big heady concepts, but in a fun, easily digestible, and very relatable way that they approached it.
1: Yeah, I I, I completely agree with pretty much everything that you're saying. And I, I think that's what makes it to me like so special and why it stands out um you know against like inside out and why I don't think it would be in that shadow is because it steps mm-hmm. uh, uh, externally and i i think that it's it's i think the other thing that i love about it as well i mean i don't want to get too far ahead is it's sort of like it sort of recontextualizes like purpose like you said destiny is there a destiny like we have we have joe uh, our main character, played by Jamie Fox, he's a band teacher. Um, he he wants like it, you, you know he wants to be, he wants to be a, a career musician. That's that's mm-hmm. his goal. Um, but like it, the steps in life didn't quite like get there. So he teaches. He gets an opportunity uh, to b- break big. Um, he has a, a moment where he he does. Um, he's essentially going to. That's sort of the the sort of inciting incident of the movie. He he goes and he auditions um, for Angela Bassett's band. He does super well, and they're like, "Okay, come back, come back tomorrow. We're going to do it again." And then he falls into a manhole and he dies. And so he finds himself. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know that whole that whole thing. And so that he finds, setup. He finds himself in the afterlife. Um, you know, and he kind of like tries to fudge his way back essentially he's like i'm not Mm -hmm. done here i need to try and get out um you know and he sort of fudges his way and tries to pretend that he is a um and i love the sort of like like inside out where it sort of like conceptually visualizes the internal i love how this like visualizes the external of like Mm -hmm. this world of like okay here are souls who are looking to be born essentially these are souls who haven't been born yet Mm -hmm. um And so he, in the afterlife, pretends to be a counselor. And that's how he gets hooked up with 22, who's played by Tina Fey. She's incredibly, like, pessimistic and, like, thinks, like, (laughs) humans suck and is, like, completely. And so, like, that's another interesting thing we learn, of course, like, through the orientation is, like, all these souls have a number. And they're in the, like, billions at this point because Mm -hmm. of the number of people on the planet. And she's number 22. Been there from the start. She's like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good yeah, at being here. Not feeling it. <laughs> I'm not yeah. feeling it. It's fine, um, but um, sorry, I did have a point. I mean, we'll get into more of the story, but like essentially, like when it gets towards the sort of finale of like where you think, like where it's headed, where like Joe has his sort of moment that you think is like the destiny. And I like mm-hmm. I love how even in a kids movie it like subverts that like moment. I it almost reminds me in a weird way of like Blade Runner twenty forty nine where we talked about how like when when Kay realizes he's not the the child born uh, of human and replicants and he's right. like oh you thought you were special well we all want to be special and like Joe has that moment like he plays the concert and he does he's phenomenal he gets in the zone which we learned about through the movie like takes you into this sort of like outer world uh right. out of body experience and he like he does it he does great and and i i love that scene where he's like why don't i feel like why don't i feel like i did it as great as i could you play a hundred shows and one of them is killer you don't give
0: many like tonight
1: yeah so, uh,
0: what happens next? We come back tomorrow night and do it all again. What's wrong, Teach? It's just, I've been waiting on this day for my entire life. It's, I thought I'd feel different. I heard this story about a fish. He swims up to this older fish and says, I'm trying to find this thing they call the ocean. The ocean, says the older fish. That's what you are in right now. This, says the young fish, this is water. What I want is the ocean. See you tomorrow.
1: And it's like, right. wow. Holy crap. That's that's yeah. a lot for. When well, he a like kids comes movie. down from
0: the high sort of yeah. like he like he's he's elated that he's there and then when he like comes down off of it and he talks to Angela Bassett she's like come back same time tomorrow teach you know we're going to do it again and sort yep. of his like realization of like I don't know if I want to do this over and over right? Like I right. thought this is what I wanted this should be my triumphant moment but like I don't feel as accomplished as I I probably should feel and I I that's I think probably the most realistic and, and grounded thing I've seen come out of a kids movie like that. That's sort yeah. of, uh, it's such a great lesson to understand like early on that like, you know, it's, it's good to, to dream and have aspirations. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be uh, an astronaut. I'm going to be a firefighter. I'm going to be a, a police officer, but it, like, it doesn't. if you don't attain that, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily a failure. And two, if you do attain that, that doesn't necessarily mean that that is the end all be all like moment that you're supposed to reach in your life. Like that's not the goal. And what it's really sort of setting up here is, and I think they set it up perfectly with 22 in the fact that 22 being around for so long, she wasn't able to get to earth and live a life because she wasn't able to find her spark. So basically right. there's like, this workshop that's in this uh, before time or before land where they take the souls, they let them interact with each other, let them experience things in sort of this interactive museum, uh, which is supposed to encapsulate everything uh, on the, in the world. And then when they find something that interests them, that is their spark and their soul will carry it onto Earth. And so that when it's in a person, when they interact with that thing in real life, then it is their their drive. And so basically, um, Joe believes that his drive, his spark, his passion, which it is in the movie, but is music. And so that's why he's drawn to to playing piano. It doesn't necessarily mean he's supposed to be a performer, Mm -hmm. but just that his passion and his drive is playing music. And so 22 has been around for so long because she's experienced these things. She's gone around the bend. She's had all these teachers from... Uh, Abe Lincoln to Isaac Newton to all these greats throughout (laughs) history who just got fed up with her and quit. Um, (laughs) She never found her spark at at any point in time. So when the actual body swap comes in, uh, Joe falls, dies. He's working, pretending to be sort of a guiding soul for 22, uh, filling in as some other guy. And uh, through a series of circumstances, they, they meet uh, Graham Norton, uh, who plays this guy called Moonwind, who's hilarious. Um, th- he meets him and he helps him try and get back into his body. But Joe, uh, being a uh, little bit too uh, 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 quick, uh, jumps into sort of the, this uh, portal that he's opened, accidentally bringing 22 with him. And Joe ends up in the body of a cat, Mm -hmm. And 22 ends up in the body of Joe. And so then I, I mean, I was telling Megan when we were done watching the movie, the way that the movie is set up is, is sort of a, a sort of a a weird cross between. um, Sorry, I thought something exploded. Um, A a weird cross between uh, A Christmas Carol and uh, It's a Wonderful Life where, um, Joe is more or less acting as uh, Clarence and it's a wonderful life bringing 22 around and showing her all these things about how, look at like pizza, music, great, like things that you can really enjoy about life. But at the same time, since he's in the body of a cat, he himself is observing aspects of his life that he's always taken you know, taken for granted, yeah. or you know, like tried to actively avoid, but then he finds out by being a passive observer, much like Ebenezer Scrooge, he can learn something by by watching someone else interact and, and live these things in front of him when he himself can't like directly influence it. So I sort of I love that they mix those two elements in a way to where both of those characters are at the same time. Having their own separate arcs, and both of them are complete, fully rounded, fully
1: realized characters by the end of it. Absolutely, and and that their arcs, I feel like their arcs also like collide and coalesce in a way that isn't like cheap and is completely honest. Uh, you right, know, like especially the the uh, the my probably. Favorite, you'd have know, to go back to Reznor and Ross. The my favorite bit of the score is probably the the epiphany number, which happens after mm-hmm. the aforementioned like, why don't I feel what I I have done? And Angel Bass's character gives her the 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 fish thing, where it's like, well, I want to mm-hmm. be in the ocean, and but all I'm is surrounded by water, and it's like, well, no, you are in the ocean. And and he, like, he plays that musical number and sees, like, that, you know, not only what 22 experienced through the things, like you said, that he took for granted, but then, like, reliving, like, oh, okay, these were actually the moments in my life that were very crucial to me being who I am. And I totally glazed by them because I was trying to get to the next thing. Um, Right. And so it's like it's it's such a beautiful, beautiful, like realized uh uh moment and and you know, and it has like a actual, you know, also a good um, you know, just I mean to mirror inside out, you know, a great like sort of like climax where it's like there's actual stakes, uh, you know, right. where like inside out, it's like the 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 uh the different like pillars are colliding in terms of like, you know, uh the the island of lost feelings or, or whatever it is, like they're starting to like collapse. And that's how it is here. Like Moonwind, great character, Graham Norton's yeah. character. Um, but that's how we first learn about like the zone in, in in IRL. He is a sign twirler. And so like he gets into the zone. And so he's in that like moment. But then they say, but if you do that too much, like you could become a lot like an island of lost soul, essentially, mm-hmm. where it's like, you'll go mad uh, trying to chase that. And that's a, yeah, yeah, And that's essentially what happens to 22. Um, because I guess the one thing we skipped over is like, they come back to that, like sort of afterlife world. Um, and, uh, 22 gets her spark. Um, but Joe is sort of, sort of like rushedly takes it, uh, mm-hmm. and goes back and, and then we kind of leaves 22 hanging. And so it comes to that like moment where you're like, oh, like, it's like, it's it's earned like when it gets to that like big action climax because like you said they're two fully fleshed out characters so by the time you get to that point you you care and hope that he's going to pull her out of that obsessive uh loop that she's in
0: right one i I love that 22s ultimately her spark is is living because they talk about when you're in that before time like they have food but you can't taste it you can't feel anything either like those are senses that are locked to the body like our sense right. of smell our sense of taste um our sense of touch like it's all it's all down to our flesh and bones and so then the things that Twenty Two experienced, experience they're all bland because they weren't filtered through a human body so it wasn't until she got on earth that she'd like suddenly learned that all these things again much like joe that she had been like well, whatever like it's another thing, get it out of the way so I can go you know, be by myself or go annoy people or whatever it is that she likes to do in the before time. Once she's able to sit and actually relish in it and understand that she's, and and just slow down and experience things and not just worry about getting to the next thing is when you actually start to become passionate about life and just about living. And it's like, that's cool. Like yep. that's is such a it's such a simple concept. It's not a new idea or anything like that. Like stop and smell the roses is a phrase that's been around forever. But I really like the simple presentation put together in a beautifully animated, very well acted, uh, 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 heartwarming story. Uh, it warmed my heart.
1: Oh, I would, I'll say that. No, 100% agree. I mean, the, the animation is stellar in this movie. Like, no questions asked. And uh, I, I love that, well, um, and I love that they're, you know, despite their sort of, um, you know, differences, especially when Joe comes back as a cat and 22 comes back as him. And, and like, you know, Joe's trying to sort of urge 22 of like, here's all the things that you're, you know, that you have missed out on. And here's all the things that do make life worth living. But I love how they're sort of like, I love how they mirror each other. Like you said, of like 22 being like, I'm just trying to get to the next thing. Well, it's like, well, that's mm-hmm. also Joe like kind of just trying to aimlessly go until he gets to the thing that he wants to be doing. And so, I mean, and then of course, you know, again, leads to that, that moment of like, Oh, I don't feel like I have accomplished what I need to accomplish. It's like, Oh, because what really matters you have done is all the stuff in, in this between time that you've been skipping. Like, yeah.
0: It, well, you're exactly right in that. Even when he is the cat, he's coaching, 22 to do it the wrong way where he's like okay I gotta get my hair cut. just go in there don't say anything sit in the chair he'll give you the usual haircut and you get out but she doesn't she goes in there starts talking it becomes a bigger conversation and Joe learns something about life and about living and then when they like oh man you ripped my pants okay we have to go to my mom's shop just go in there give her the pants don't talk to her get him to sew it up 22 stops talks to his mom they have like this this Coming together moment where they like learn to understand each other. So it's like the sort of the way that it's it's laid out. I love that Joe has to be a passive actor in his own life in order, just like you know Clarence uh, or uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, um, a passive actor in their own life to realize the error of their ways before yeah. coming to like sort of their their eventual conclusion. It's just the eventual conclusion in this scenario is he had to have the epiphany himself of understanding his mistakes uh, exactly
1: which is just beautifully presented exactly I yeah I couldn't say better myself um and and yeah I I yeah I don't even know what else to say I just (laughs) I love this movie and and I hope if people haven't seen it they should but yes like it's it's available it's on Disney plus uh was one of the few um not few, but it was one of those where it was supposed to have a theatrical release and then Disney ultimately decided to put it on, I think last Christmas uh, on Disney Plus in the in the wake of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, it's readily available. I highly recommend it. I mean, I not like I've seen everything on Disney Plus, but like as far as the quote unquote originals, I, I don't think you could do any better. No. Um, and, and also I do love like, you know, just to, to also to, to, you know, to, to pivot a little bit out of the movie, but to talk about P Doctor for a second, you know, being uh, Pixar's chief creative officer, I was just doing a little research on this. Uh, through the end of next year, Pixar will have put out more quote unquote original movie, or, or no, so, excuse me, the same amount of original movies in the 2020s as they did the 2010s. And it's only going to be 2022. Um, because the 2010s were pretty much all sequels. Uh, right. Like there were only four original movies, Brave, uh, Inside Out, which Pete Doctor directed, The Good Dinosaur, and Coco. Everything else was a sequel. And already in the 2020s, we have Onward, Soul, Luca, which I still haven't seen and I need to, uh, Turning Red, which comes out next year, um, and then uh, A Lightyear, which would be the only like sort of franchise movie. Oh, so okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, keep forgetting about Light Year. Yeah, it, it, remember, remember, it's it's based on the actual Buzz Lightyear that the toy is based on, not not the actual toy itself. Some some meta shit. It's some weird fucking shit. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, but either way, like I, I'm excited. I saw the trailer for Turning Red. I think at least looks you know another creative. Creative aspect and another sort of lesson learned uh, through mm-hmm. through exciting ways that Pixar does. So I'm hoping this trend continues of the more original yeah. movies. It's like you know, it's like I liked some of the sequels. I liked I liked Incredibles two. That Toy Story four was decent, solid. But I'm just like I'm ready for the more more movies like Soul for them to consistently, yeah. consistently putting out.
0: Absolutely. And uh, as you were saying in your examples there of like Monsters Inc, Soul, Up, Inside Out. All movies. I mean, I know that Monsters Inc. got Monsters University eventually, but I don't think that was nearly as lauded as any of those other four. So, I'd no. like, just keep going and making like more exploratory shit like that. It's great.
1: Yeah, agreed, agreed. And and it's just like it, it's it's awesome that they are. I hate the term brand, but it's like I I but it, I feel like it's applicable in this situation where it's like they are such a brand mm-hmm. onto themselves that you could sell an idea based on oh, Pixar made it first right. like it's one of the few things that you could like sell an original idea like you can't sell an original live action idea that well anymore no. unfortunately but like an animated one you could sell an idea and be like well oh pixar made it so that's a mark of quality i gotta go see that and so um so i'm hoping you know so i guess that means people just need to turn out for turning red since both soul and luca went to disney plus but turning red will be a theatrical release next year so uh Let's show up. Let's go for it. (laughs) Yeah. Go to the theater and support uh,
0: original movies or else we're going to get nothing but uh, soft reboots from here until the the eventual heat death of
1: movie theaters in 2024, probably. We'll we'll get Ghostbusters after Afterlife. Um... (laughs) Uh, We're not Uh, going to (laughs) dovetail.
0: Speaking of things that should have remained dead, uh, Love on a Leash.
1: Um, oh, I, I guess I'm gonna You're gonna crack a beer for this one yeah. I don't blame you It's probably <laughs> necessary at this point um, I'm sorry I'll say straight up This is my <laughs> fault uh, <laughs> um, This was a movie that uh, that I heard about And I brought it to the attention Of, of Corn Screen our, our Saturday night movie group and everyone was very excited based on the trailer. Understandably so. It's a weird, yeah. bizarre premise. Very low budget. Very shot on crummy digital type of like the the, the movie. I mean, we talked about David Laskovich and Suburban Sasquatch. Like mm-hmm. these the, are the, the lines of movies that we watched. So it just, it it seemed like a ripe viewing for the group. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even know where to start i i this is your pick i will i will i almost need to hand the reins to you but i i guess i'm just i'm sorry that i brought this movie to attention i guess is what what i'm saying
0: yeah uh should be i <laughs> i am i, I mean i, I, I know am. the quality of movies that we like it, it's we've we've seen t- terrible movies in corner screen i think and I mean, I might just have a terrible memory uh, or it, trauma is, is blocking some of them out. But I think Love on a Leash might be the worst thing that we've seen.
1: Um, it's up there. I would say it's, it's up there. Uh, we're going to be talking about a movie can. next week. I think it's one you oh. missed, but now you had to catch up with the movie.
0: Um, oh, I, would, I didn't I, know what you are
1: talking about. Yeah, I, I might submit something like that. Because this one at least kept my attention. For disagree. I agree. Uh, <laughs> part <of this> the- <laughs> oh my god so oh where do, so i guess where do we begin do we begin with i the guess synopsis, synopsis? Yeah.
0: i think i think synopsis so yeah because, because it's just fucking absurd so if you haven't heard of this movie uh by the way it's on uh i don't i don't know if i can say it it's on youtube it's on Tubi uh, as well it's on Tubi as well so i mean if you have have no regard for your well-being or your free time. You can go watch Love on a Leash. Uh, uh, it's, it's available, but oh God. So uh, a man has been turned into a golden lab at some indeterminate time and is furiously horny. Unfortunately, yes. a woman with a horrible family and terrible luck takes him in only to find out that a water fountain in the park has given him the ability to turn into a human at night because reasons. This goes on for some time and then the movie sort of ends.
1: I mean, yeah, it's basically it. I mean, we we follow, we, we I mean, for one, there's some weird, had to be some like me, weird musical rights issue with the movie. Because when we hit all hit play on this movie. Yes. It is like silent for three minutes. Like we see credits, but there's yeah. no sound. Uh, nothing happening and all of us were like wait is there something wrong with the movie is something going on and then all of a sudden w- with terrible not uh normalized audio the the dog starts talking and like clipping the audio and and immediately begins with this this sort of horniness it's it's a it's a princess and the frog kind of scenario i guess like if if maybe i mean that's, that's isn't that that the story where it's like I, kind of i mean she, yeah, she has to fall, yeah, in, she love, has to like,
0: fall in love with the and frog turns, yeah, yeah. and
1: then to become the a uh, prince or become human like so it's it's that sort of scenario kind of but then it um, almost
0: becomes like a reverse werewolf movie in that yeah. when it when it's nighttime he turns into a man but then during the day she's uh, it, it's her dog, and he still like acts like a dog. Like she gives him dog food and takes him on walks and all that stuff. And like they, it's they don't, yeah. it like, doesn't even seem to like really phase her. It's just like, well, I my boyfriend happens to be a dog during the day, and then we bang at night, and then he goes back to being a dog.
1: Yeah, that's basically it. I mean, I guess do we start with our only sort of like character who isn't a total stock character, which would be uh, Jana. Uh, who's played yeah. by Jana Camp um, so just one of those typical bad movie staples if we're going to name the character after the actor or actress's name um, mm-hmm. who like okay this poor woman like you said horrible friends and family I mean that's a, probably a good place to start because this woman is gaslit to hell from like every single angle from, oh, yeah. her, from her mother who like desperately wants her to find a husband like to like to an uncomfortable degree uh like pushing her towards that direction uh same with her friend of like oh are you gonna find somebody you're gonna find somebody and then there's another like awkward encounter with her boss at the uh she works at like a goodwill Mm -hmm. um and her boss comes in like they they like he they they do like schedule a date And he comes in and wants, like, immediately comes in hot, like, want, like, says, like, will you marry me? And it's like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, what's going on? And he says, like, he's like, look, he's like, you could be with whoever you want to be. It's like, I'm actually gay my family is like super oh, yeah. like traditional and conservative oh, oh, and yeah. so like I need to show that like that that I'm married to a woman other than that you could do whatever you want and it's just like whoa 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 like like do you think and that's the thing it's like the, the mother super gaslighting and then the, like this the manager must think that like I don't know everyone thinks she's like super desperate and just like she's just trying to live her goddamn life like and so everyone <laughs> it's just well, she's not interfaced. pursuing any of it. It's, no. it's the
0: strangest thing because it's not like she's they don't show her going to like uh uh what are those like the speed dating things or um yeah it's a modern ish movie like she's not using like eharmony or whatever to try and like find a date. Everyone is approaching her and being like marry me, even though I'm gay and like just pretend to be my wife, or um at some point, like some guy like attacks her. In her apartment, and yeah, the, the, oh. the lab has to like fight him off. Yes, uh, You're and right. then, like, no one is helping this poor woman.
1: Yeah, you and the thing is, she's not her. seeking out like in a relationship. She's like, I'm perfectly fine living yeah. in my lime green apartment with my lime green clothes. Everything because, is green. Everything is green in this movie. Uh, it, is, it is utterly insane. And so... I'm looking at it right now. She, There's a gl- green lamp on a green end table with a green piece of fuzzy shit
0: under it and the walls are green and the couch is green
1: and her dress is green. So inadvertently, she adopts this this golden retriever that is just like out on the street and Mm -hmm. like you said uh, in the synopsis like we come to find out just at night he just turns into a human turns into a hot guy and says like i what so my brain is scrambled from this movie what are the rules of it again like they gotta get do they have to get married? Like, what is the rule that would turn him back into a full-fledged human? I don't even recall. I don't recall either. The the the
0: water fountain in the park said something about it. He, I, I'm watching it right now. <laughs> it's in <laughs> another tab right now. Because I'm, I'm having to remind myself of it. Because, like, he literally just, at one point in the movie, turns into a man. It's just like, it's me, your dog. And then they, like... <laughs> <laughs> she like takes her home she's like does not even like react to much of this like it, it's like oh well all right it's just one of those weird things where my dog's actually a guy
1: yeah it's, it's so strange and then and then like which just adds further to the weirdness because her like you know again her gaslighting mother and friends still like keep popping in from time to time and asking her if she's found a man and she's like yeah i have and uh but like you can't see him like the like it's it's supposed to be like one of those escalating like comedy of errors right where it's like you're trying to like hide the thing that is happening um but it's just like but it's not done in a way that's. Uh, it's just, it's uncomfortable, like the like, and not in a, like, and not in a, like, office, like, cringe comedy sort of way, just genuinely, like, I felt uneasy, like, like, I felt, I felt like I needed to call somebody for this woman's safety, and I know it's a movie, but, like, I was genuinely concerned for the safety and the well-being of our lead character <laughs> throughout this movie. Of the actress,
0: uh, like not even just yeah. the character. <laughs> well, I just
1: looked, she only has 11 film credits. This is her second to last one. I can't blame her necessarily. She's like, you know what? No, I don't want to do this anymore. And it's like, and they were some probably small roles, but like bigger-ish things. Her first film credit is Invasion USA as Christmas Daughter from 1985, the all right esteemed canon film Chuck Norris movie. Uh, she's also played uh someone in gilmore girls and somebody in csi um so it's like those are things people have seen and love on a leash had to have been that breaking point of like you know what i don't i don't not i'm not gonna do it anymore <laughs> i forgot the entire fucking
0: okay so i i told you <laughs> i'm watching i'm watching love on a leash at the same time <laughs> so yes the The rules are are really really iffy. So basically, it, when it's nighttime, he's a when he's a he's a guy. When it's daytime, he's a dog. And they there's sort of like this weird behind the back of the family thing going on, which I get. It's really hard to explain that you are having a sexual relationship with your dog. But um, the, the at one point in the movie, the family wants to wants to meet him, and they keep saying like, bring him over, bring him over, bring him over. Yes. And for some reason, they go over to the family's house for lunchtime. So it's lunchtime but they sh- they shot like day for night. So like it's clearly midday because they're eating lunch by the pool and it's day for night like there's direct sunlight landing on them but he's still a human which they they make no attempt whatsoever to explain why this is working or like because obviously they're not doing this in the middle of the night and then at some point during lunch he just turns into a dog which is like the reveal to the family that he's a dog they Understandably, flip the fuck out. Uh, he jumps in the pool to like swim away, and and uh, or no, she jumps in the pool to try and like intervene, and she and can't he swim. Jumps in. Yeah, and he jumps <laughs> in to save her because she can't swim. Uh, so they they have like the the uh, okay, we, end of act two conflict. Um, I don't know if I actually want to be with this woman anymore, and he goes to the fountain and and basically yells at it, and and the fountain is like. Well, true love re- requires sacrifice. So, you know, you you don't actually like really love her. So then he has an epiphany that like, okay, yes, I do love her. Takes off running through the neighborhood, talking to himself saying, you know, I love you. I love you. She's out in the front lawn. He goes to bolt across the street to go say hi to her and he gets hit by a fucking car and killed. Yes. And and it's like it's such a like tone shift tone change he's like there's a bloody dog like in the shot like laying, like it's graphic and like yeah heartbreaking and unearned but he dies and you think that that might be the end of it they, oh, they no. show her grieving she has a funeral and everything we flash forward years in the future the title
1: card says years later which this amused me i have to say this and i'm not like a toot my own horn sort of person it was just like this movie scrambled everyone's brain on our saturday night movie group so i understand but it seemingly almost everybody missed that title card that came up and so it's just years later and her friend comes in and has like, it's like the, the silver hair that you buy at the Dollar Tree for like Halloween. That they just sort of sprayed into her hair to make her look older. And again, there's no timestamp. It just says years later. But then like four kids come in and they say that they're her grandchildren, her friends. Yeah. And they just kind of put some like wrinkle makeup on, on Jana. And, and as she still lives alone, like the dog guy was the love of her life she never like found anybody never married or anything like that (laughs) it's just like (laughs) it is wild it is wild (laughs) i'm watching it right now and i still can't believe
0: it like because so she's old and 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 has always loved the dog and never moved on or anything she's packing up her apartment to move so she's lived in this shitty green apartment for another 30 30 years years, yeah And in walks the dog guy, like, in human form. (laughs) Yes. And, like, he apparently was, like, reincarnated and, like, aged up to the age he was at when he was killed in dog form, and then comes back to her. And then when they, like, connect and she realizes that it's him, there's, like, this magical, like, like, like Wayne's World is like, it's not Wayne's World, it looks terrible. Um, but it's like a confetti plug in that they put on the screen, and then yes. he has gray hair, so he just time traveled uh, instantaneously to age up to the age that she's at. Uh, and then they get married with no one there, so like, I don't know if this isn't legal, it's just them like in a park wearing a suit and a dress, and while they're getting married, they both flash back to their younger ages. Yep, and it's like nothing even happened, and we... none of it gets explained, and I I don't think we can quite just 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 really get you to understand how awkward the movie is with the fact that there's no fucking music in it.
1: Yeah, yet yeah, it, music is important, even if it's bad music, it's still important to have in your movie. It is so awkward to the point where it's like you. I just thought there were it just errors the whole time. And, and it's just like, so, so strange. And it's so weird um, because it's like, maybe I, I'm not saying music would have saved this thing by any stretch of the word, but if it at least would have made it,
0: I don't know, less awkward. Less awkward. Like this, this final moment, like it, you can imagine it is them in a park. They're kissing. There's like, you know, fanfare of like wedding fanfare and stuff but there isn't even a room tone. And it's just no. two people on mute, making out in the woods yeah. with, with no sound whatsoever. And you can imagine that on the page, there's like swelling orchestra music or like, like terrible nineties rock plug-in, like
1: something to hold us over for this scene. But yeah. without it, it's just, it's, it's like stock footage exactly and I, and I'm glad you also pointed out the no room tone thing this is exactly that type of movie where like the the dialogue spoken like will cut like it, it has an awkward like audio cut between one thing to another because there is yeah. no room tone like it's it's one of those bad movies where like not only is it like bad because just like the story is weird and nonsensical and doesn't make sense but it's like it's it's bad production value it, it's bad audio it's shot on like early 2000s camera despite being made in 2011 dslrs were available i don't know why people were still shooting on prosumer mini dv tapes at this point unless it was a stylistic like harmony koreen-esque choice yeah um the, like it, it's just like it's it's one of those like bad movies and it's one of those where like it, it totally like it, it's one of those designed to fool people like it's one of those designed to be in a walmart five dollar bin and for somebody to think it's like legally blonde like if you look at the cover of it like it's not like like if the actress was turned towards it it's not like totally far off from something like like the legally blonde cover with Elle Woods oh, sure. outside of the 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 uh, you know outside the White House or, or wherever it is on the front I, I can't quite remember but like it, it looks the cover makes it look a little bit more like a movie it, it, a bonkers movie sure but like a movie nonetheless it's got like her and the dog and a dog wearing like a tuxedo with a, 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 a rose and uh, I don't even think that's her looking at it I'm 90% sure that's not even her um it just like it, I mean it makes it look like a romantic comedy, like yeah. like like I said, like a princess and the frog sort of scenario. Uh, and, and it's just like it is I I I I don't even know what else to like say to people. Like it's one of those movies you just almost have to see with your own eyes if you want to subject yourself to it to believe what you're watching, because it is just just awful. Um,
0: I wouldn't recommend it. It's also like it's an attempt at a romantic comedy, but I, personally, for me, like none of the comedy landed. And and because it's it's that style where it's a dog on screen and then somebody doing the voiceover for the dog, so it's literally just a dude talking into a microphone. Yeah, and it's a guy just saying shit off the cuff, and ninety nine point nine percent of it is just like really weird and out of place and atonal.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it you almost needed. I mean, again, not that this would have saved either, but like you almost needed the voice of the dog to be somebody, even if they were like a CD list person. Like you just needed somebody uh, to like be the voice of the dog. Um, They needed Eric Roberts. (laughs) Another movie we watched coming soon to the good (laughs) battle. Or like... Or like Gilbert Godfrey, I don't know. Oh just, yeah, yeah. Somebody, I he just needed somebody to be the voice. At least it's that. a
0: thing, and at least Gilbert Godfrey is a a
1: comedian, and so he knows how yes. to write jokes. A comedian like, and a recognizable voice. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah, it's it's so it's so strange this whole thing. It's it's so inept. Like I I have I mean we've watched a lot of crap like it, not just for this podcast not just for our corn screen group that we've talked about on the show many times before but just in general like even before we started a podcast yeah just watched (laughs) a lot of crap and i i i'm not gonna say this is the worst movie i've seen it's not um this other one i think took the cake uh that that we again title redacted because it will show up on a feature (laughs) episode (laughs) I think that one takes the cake, but like this is one of the worst things, and it's like, and it's almost, it's like, and 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 even then, usually when that happens, there's something for me to recommend it to somebody, and and I I'm struggling a little bit. I was like, unless you're, it's something we've said before. Unless you're a super weirdo, like I don't, I would probably <laughs> wouldn't watch this. Uh, it's no. it's it's too like, cause cause it's like, I just. I don't know. My I mean, brain it's is. Got, fried it's got all
0: Schadenfreude. Over it. I, I think I can hear what you're saying. Where like there, there are bad movies that are miserable because there's just nothing redeemable to talk about, and you spend right, most yeah. of your time just being too confused. I think there's still a fair amount of like Schadenfreude in Love on a Leash. Like we watched it with the group, and the group was for the most part pretty miserable. I would not recommend watching this by yourself unless like no. you are. You are like imbibing heavily in like the right kind of uh, substances to really enjoy such a thing. Or and you're like uh,
1: Paul Bettany in The Da Vinci Code and this is your version of like...
0: <laughs> flagellation? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> that's, yes, that's a good comparison. It's cinematic this, this flagellation is what you're saying. <laughs> and you're right.
0: It, it's, a, it's a palate cleanser in that <laughs> anything you watch after Love on a Leash is
1: going to be an, an incredible piece of cinema. So yeah, oh, maybe, yeah, I think I watched the G.I. Joe Snake Eyes movies after this. I'm trying to think what I watched, but I watched something where I was like, you know what? That wasn't too bad because <laughs> I watched Love on a Leash. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if we could pivot into something that's probably equally just as strange as Love on a Leash, however, mm. not entirely inept and quite possibly the greatest movie ever made face off yeah because it's face off it's great because it's fucking face off and oh man the time is here i have i have been waiting to talk about face off honestly for 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 years i always want to talk about safe face off and not even just
1: in the context of our our podcast i'll I'll stop you on the street oh yeah oh that 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 um yeah, no, absolutely. I, I have a funny, like, story before we lead into it. Uh, um, it was, this was uh, two years ago now. I was coming outside of a screening at uh, the South by Southwest Film Festival, and it was for, um, uh, it was for The Day Shall Come uh, from the, the director of Four Lions, and uh, the, oh. the, the director's name is escaping me at the moment. He also plays the first boss in the IT crowd uh the yeah. one who jumps out the window yeah read him. um <laughs> so i was coming out of a screening of the day shall come and i was talking to a friend of the show mike shutt uh who who's a writer for collider and um i was talking about because earlier in the day i had seen uh the art of self-defense uh oh yeah which has uh alessandro navola who plays pollux troy in this movie um, and who's great in Art of Self Defense? Uh, he's also supposedly great in the Sopranos prequel movie that's out, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, and so I was meant—I was talking about Art of Self Defense, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I was Under Namola from Face Off; like he's fantastic in the movie." And uh, uh, Mike goes, "Or Disobedience," uh, which is a movie that came out a couple of years like uh, ago. And uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, I, I haven't seen that." And he just kind of paused for a moment. He's like, "Wait," he's like, "Was your point of reference for him as an actor Face Off?" And I was like, Mike, my point of reference for most things is Face Off. <laughs> I'm trying six degrees my way back to Face Off. Uh, everything every leads, movie. all roads lead back to Face Off. Um, <laughs> so, this is Face yeah, Off. I,
0: much like, much like Con Air, that came out the year after, Face Off is one of those that, like, it has a a fairly stacked cast and a a, a big budget. Mm-hmm. At the service of one of the most bonkers fucking scripts, I can't, I can't even imagine somebody coming by and dropping this on my desk with no contacts whatsoever back in 1994 and being like, we want to give John Woo a couple million dollars to shoot this thing. <laughs> Well, so John
1: Woo actually, I mean, obviously the script was made, but like John Woo actually got heavy sort of creative story control uh, for this right. movie. Um, I feel like we almost don't even really need to go in the plot. I feel like most people have seen Face Off. Like it's right there in the fucking title. But yes. uh, if we need to go in the plot, we will. Um but essentially because, because when John Wu came to Hollywood and started making movies, um, he, he made hard target with Jean-Claude Van Damme and he made broken arrow with Travolta and Christian Slater. And both those movies were kind of like mixed reception, mixed box office. Like they, they, they did just okay, but not great. And so when face-off had, when he was meeting with Paramount and the script like came to him, he's like, I'll do it. He's like, but I would like to have more of a creative hand story because like John Wu's stories, um, you know, in, in his other movies are more like, uh, I mean, I don't know if biblical would be the word, but like they're very like, like they're very like rooted in those sort of like heavy themes, whether they'd be mm-hmm. biblical, whether they'd be Shakespearean. I mean, A Better Tomorrow is like, you know, brothers on opposite sides of the the law um and so it's like those and that's sort of like here it's like um you know this one it's like got got heavy dramatic themes like for sure I mean it's like you you have sort of like sins of our father and you have the you know that that whole sort of element and you have um you know you know has a lot of empathy like even though both characters are kind of like on their own sort of plane, there's a sort of like empathy for both characters. Um, just a lot of like heavy dramatic stuff. Again, in the premise of a, a movie that totally spits in the face of any sort of conventional logic. And like, if you think too hard about it, it's one of those movies, if you think too hard about it, it doesn't work. But if you strap along for the ride of the movie, you're gonna find like really awesome, you know, you're gonna find great subversions, you're gonna find great performances, you're gonna have great action sequences, um, it's like it's it's awesome, and it's obviously the crown jewel of 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 John Wu's um Hollywood career, at least. Mm-hmm. It's not his best movie. I would still probably give that to Hardboiled or The Killer or the two right. Better Tomorrow movies. Um, but as far as Hollywood movies are concerned, I mean, yeah, I mean, what else do you got? I mean, you got Mission Impossible 2 and you have Paycheck, uh Wind Talkers. I, I yeah. mean this this is the clear winner, <laughs> a clear winner, right there. For sure. And I mean. I'm sorry I've gone on too long but I think the thing I want to gush about most I mean we talk about our mutual favorite subject Nicolas Cage Nick (laughs) Cage is great in this movie yeah like genuinely fantastic in this movie like like this movie I'm not gonna say it'd be nothing without him but he has like the heavy lifting because it's like he's I mean he's in his normal body he is the villain so he's amped up to 11 nick cage yes. going crazy uh you know just shouting all of his lines going 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 ham going nuts um you know lines that you know i think you and i just drop to each other on a daily basis so oh, like all time i could eat be, eat, could eat a peach for hours uh well you better pull the trigger because i don't give i fuck. don't
0: give fuck yeah
1: and so it's like <laughs> <laughs> things like that so it's like, obviously he's cage cranked up to 11 But when him and Travolta swap, him playing Travolta, he's better at playing Sean Archer than Travolta is even before the swap. Yeah, And then watching him have to play him as John Travolta's character is also Mm -hmm. like... Impressive, like to say the least, like the you know, the like the prison sequence, the famous like, like Gravity Boots uh scene where he just has Mm -hmm. that everyone gifts it of him, like with the crazy eyes going, like, yeah, and there's the the guitar, like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like because, like, even because, even like, I mean, I, 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 in the right role, like Travolta can can be great, obviously. I mean, he, he hasn't had this long of a story career for not, but like, I feel like. I think even more than Cage, Travolta in the wrong role is like, oh, yikes. And it's not yeah, the oops. wrong role. It's not the wrong role for him here. But I feel like he's almost kind of ham bone, even as Sean Archer. Like Nick oh, yeah. Cage plays him more understated than than Travolta. And then Travolta, of course, just hams it up when he, when he's Caster Troy. Just like, just just grinning. Just like, yeah, woo-wee, you good looking. <laughs> it's just. looking into a mirror, except. Not. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, I was gonna say I I love the turn. I mean, like it's you're right in that John Travolta is hamming it up when he is Sean Archer when he's like, uh, he's a he's a man at the end of his wits. And I mean, I yeah, I, like if you haven't seen the movie, which what the fuck are you doing with your life? But either change you want to you go go see yourself. in the world, as Chris once said, <laughs> <see I> face <laughs> off. Um, the movie starts with a kid dying, like.
1: Like sort rule. of a cardinal
0: sin, like yeah. to do that in film. And the inciting incident for the movie is a kid getting shot in the head. What, like, it's it, like that's what a ballsy way to like. We're going to kick off our movie by setting the tone like this. Like the the premise of the movie is so bonkers and so weird that we're going to start with such a serious thing that you can't help but have to take the rest of the subject matter in the movie seriously. Even with Nick Cage and his priest outfit head outfit, headbanging uh, to, to choral music or, or uh, uh, I mean, just Nick Cage in general, in the entire fucking movie. But and that was another thing we used to, every time we got off work in college, one of us would send that gift to the other one. Yes. <laughs> time to hit the bar. It's just the Nick Cage. Just <laughs> headbanging. <laughs> but the, I, I like that Sean Archer is sort of, a, he's 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 tired. He's been chasing down Castor Troy for I can't remember what it said four years uh, since the, the the death of his child. Um, he he just has to catch him, and so he's so stressed out. And and at the end of his rope, that he's like snapping at people in his office, and he's like, "We're we're such a we're such a covert unit that when we say go, nobody moves." And like he just he's going over the top. That by the time Nick Cage gets into his boots, he's almost playing Sean Archer. As a guy who fucked around and now has found out. Like he's yes. he's like because there <laughs> is a bit when he's in the prison and he goes and talks to Pollux when he's still cocksure and he's and he's like, you know, oh you know, bro, I used to feed you those pills, you know, every day for years. And he's able to figure out the location of the bomb. And he tells him, like, you know, you're you're so fucking pathetic. And he's like smarmy as he's like walking away. I think he's still sort of playing that original Sean Archer that we saw at the beginning of the movie. But once he finds out the situation that he's in, he's like, he's like, he's a changed man. He's like a a dog with a tail between his legs of the rest of the movie. Like, oh, fuck, I have to walk on eggshells now. I can't be the hotshot detective FBI agent Sean Archer that I once was because that's not who I am. And it's fucking brilliant. And Nick Cage should have gotten the Oscar.
1: He should have. He should have gotten another Oscar. I think this was the year after he won for *Leaving Las Vegas*, so he should have gotten another one. And I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that from like the the when Sean Archer first becomes Caster Troy, Nick Cage, mm-hmm. and and how he has that transition because it's the same on on the other side when when right. uh, uh, Caster Troy is Sean Archer. And I think that's why I think this movie is brilliant because it has it starts with an element that you like in movies, the ticking clock element. Like that's our yep. whole inciting incident for having the sort of face swapping because um, they caught Caster Troy. Sean Archer finally caught Caster Troy. He's imprisoned, but he's let, he. there's a bomb set to detonate throughout the city and they need to find out where the bomb is. And so that's why they undergo that experimental surgery where Sean Archer gets Caster Troy's face. Casper comes to uh, with a bloodied like, you know mutilated face off and and you know raw fucking whoa yeah and forces them to to put put sean archer's face on him but i i what that what i think is brilliant about the movie is you think the whole movie is going to be a race against time to try and disarm this bomb and when castor troy becomes sean archer As the detective, he is able to find the bomb. He disarms it like what, 40, 50 minutes into the movie? This movie's like two hours and 17 minutes. So it's like the rest is like a character piece action movie, which I think is like brilliant because it's like every, not every action movie, but most action movies are driven by some kind of plot. Like X is happening. And so we got to go do Y versus like the thing you think is going to happen gets gets d- disarmed less than an hour in the movie and so it's really just about like that like i said that empathy and finding each other in each other's shoes like it's mm-hmm. it, like for like sean archer like even the people on the force kind of start to come around to the gastro version of sean archer because you know it's obviously he had a tragic thing that happened to him but everyone was basically like had a massive stick up your ass like mm-hmm. and now it's like you're much looser and then similarly with um with Sean Archer's Castor Troy, it's like he's kind of a he's kind of a deadbeat dad. Uh, he's got a kid with is a character, drug addict, psycho. And so it's like you get a little bit more like you like they, they just get that perspective and to one another. And I think right. that's I mean to me I think that's what like the, the action of course is top notch in this movie. But I think it's like it's those it's those performances that I think just really, really elevate this movie to, to just a modern classic to me.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, it's the, the performances are what elevates it above being the bottom of the bin D level movie schlock that it should be. Cause like, again, yeah. on paper, you look at this movie, the way that it's written and it's, it, 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 there's no way that it should be like the, the, the like, big blockbuster hollywood movie that it is but yep. with the talent that's behind it it's it, it this is what you can pull out like the, when you when we see some of these like the terrible terrible movies that we watch that are like knockoffs of mad max or evil dead or any number of those we know that they're like especially when they're knockoffs we know that they're starting from good bones like they're starting from a spot where like you've got to lake up you actually have an idea that we know can be done well because we've seen it done well in other movies but like they don't have the they don't have the they don't have the chops as a director or they don't know how to write or they don't know how to shoot or they don't know how to sound mix or they don't know how to edit like there's any number of these combination of things but then when you take something that on paper is a terrible idea and like you said like there are things that are built into it where like the story doesn't even make sense like the crux of the entire movie is that John Archer and Castor Troy have different blood types. And that's how Sean Archer's wife finds out that they swap bodies is that she takes his blood, tests it and goes, oh, you're right. Like you're O positive and Castor is AB negative. uh, So they can't be the same person. And it's just like, you can't donate tissue to fucking somebody who has a different blood type than you. Like (laughs) you would reject it. So just like, if you stop for five seconds and think about what's happening in the movie it completely falls apart. However, the movie is so goddamn entertaining and so mm-hmm. well put together and the score and the action set pieces that are off the fucking walls bonkers. It's just so much goddamn fun that you're just like, I don't care
1: that yeah. the movie doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. This is one of those movies and, 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 um, uh, I saw a tweet recently. I got a I got a shout out to it. It was from uh, Kevin Jagernath, who used to be the uh, managing editor of the playlist. I uh, did a, po- a couple podcasts with him in the past, and he recently watched um, No Time to Die since it's on um, premium VOD right now for a twenty dollar rental. And he's like, he's like, No Time to Die is one of those movies where you, further proof that your movie can be capital S stupid. But if you direct the hell out of it, like, it, mm-hmm. it almost doesn't matter. And Face Off is one of those movies, whereas, like, the premise is so dumb. Like, yeah, it falls apart if you even remotely think about it. But because John Woo directs the hell out of it, because the cast is at the top of their game, not just Cage and Travolta, but... Joan Allen is great in this movie, and uh, Gina Gershard is Gershaw? great in the movie. Uh, Nick Cassavetes is great in the movie uh, as well. Uh, Matt uh, Ross, it's always good to see Matt Ross. Yes. Uh, Alessandro Nivola, which I already mentioned, uh, you know, mm-hmm. great, the greatest Pollux TROY. Uh, and that's the thing; it's like I I love that sort of like 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 emotions like that too. Like when when like when the line gets blurred, like that the you know the sort of amazing. Uh, mirror sequence which is like the mid mid movie like action yeah. set piece of of um you know like oh why don't you know i don't know what's being uh what's worse being in your body or what's what's i i should know the line but um but he's like oh well why don't we just I, yeah. kill each other um <laughs> i think i think
0: he says i don't know which one i i hate worse your face mm-hmm. or your body yeah and, that's right being
1: with your face or your body and then yeah like why don't we just kill oh, each well. other we'll just kill each other yeah so they get in that <laughs> shoot, and then Pollux Troy is dropped from like that high rise and dies and mm-hmm. um and you know obviously it's Castro Troy is Sean Archer but he's he's like incredibly upset and that one like fellow officer comes up to him he's like Dude, why are you upset it's just Pollux Troy he just <laughs> shoots, he shoots him. him in the face <laughs> yeah. with like a squib
0: like the movie is violent as shit too. it's so and, violent like, it, yeah it doesn't like, it's another thing where, like, they could have tried to play this as, like, a PG-13 movie to try and play it a little bit safer. But the fact that, like, no, fall on squibs, people are getting eviscerated, shot in the head. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's a hard R movie with this crazy of a script behind it. And it's, it's shit like this where it's like, you're they're not taking any risks like this with big, like, like, starring vehicle movies like this anymore like this is very much that
1: time period yep absolutely I think the only thing uh, maybe from a filmmaking standpoint I wouldn't say it doesn't work because I think it fits in the sort of story like you said the story where it's like if you think about it for five seconds it falls apart but it's so entertaining and it's the same with the filmmaking there are like some errors like filmmaking errors like there's yeah. some there's some like visible wire work there's mm-hmm. the there's two sequences where you can visibly tell it is cage's stunt double and not him oh yeah uh, the the, the famous he a full head of flowing hair yeah well yeah the the, <laughs> the, the the one he's getting sucked back and that fan is like the mm-hmm. one of the most obvious one and the other one's the boat chase uh yeah. towards the end of the movie and it, it's um and it, but it's like i could also forgive that too because it's like It's like, if you were able to achieve that level of, like, solid, fluid action in, in, in like, you know, because John Woo's style is so unique, like, Mm -hmm. I'm okay, I'm okay with that, Um, and, and I think it's also just the difference of, like, like, Hong Kong cinema, like, the rules are so much different as opposed to, like, Hollywood. It's, like, Hollywood's, like, you have different, like, insurance policies, and so it's, like, your insurance policy goes up, and I'm sure the insurance policy is incredibly freaking high on any Tom Cruise movie because he still insists on doing his own stunts as a 60-year-old man. So, like, John Woo's movie is like when he's working with Chow Yun-Fat like it's like oh the rules are different like he can do his own stunts and all that where it's like there's probably right. some sort of contractual obligation where like Cage isn't but he wants to get the shot in a certain way so he does it it doesn't always like register but right. it's also like on VHS, when I was younger, I didn't notice that. It's only like now in HD where I'm like, oh, that's yeah. not Nicholas." Cage. Like, oh, that's,
0: that's clearly not Nicolas Cage. But <laughs> at the same time, like, they they sacrifice the fact that you can sort of tell that the, the guy flying through the air is not Nicolas Cage. But at the expense that we get bonkers fucking shots, like the, the, the speedboat chase that you already mentioned, uh, yes. Cage's boat gets rammed into a police boat and jumps through it. Mm-hmm. and the whole thing fucking explodes like a good towering fireball and then they crash that boat and both actors get catapulted out of it like in that the boat then explodes of course there's there's so many just great scenes of like gun dudes getting yeah. tossed off the 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 when he gets taken to the island the the prison island with the um the magnet boots, which did you know that those boots were uh, left over from the creation of the Super Mario Brothers movie? I did know that, yes. Fun <laughs> fact. Uh, but there's a scene right after, um, I, I can't remember the, the name of the character, but it's, it's the guy who uh, was the leader of the uh, doc union in the second season of The Wire. Um, he is like this uh, other prisoner, apparently Castor Troy had like banged his, his wife and his sister or something like that uh, on like the the night uh, that he had been taken into prison. Um, But obviously this isn't actually Caster Troy. So then uh, Sean Archer like convinces him like, hey, you know, I I didn't uh, didn't sleep with your wife, uh, but uh, you know, we should get out of here. So then they stage, you know, a revolt, they're getting out and there's there's a shot where one of the guards, gets like tossed over a handrail from the second story. And the dude falls and lands on a table that's in the room. And like, it looks like that dude legit like got hurt. Like they're doing yeah. some real hard stunts in this movie, where I'm I'm sure that some of the people that were doing the stunts actually like walked away with some like
1: yeah might be problems. like a scary road level sort of like uh, some people actually got hurt. A road warrior, I guess. I... Like they would have had to have like in yeah. that one shot particular. I was like that guy's not okay. <laughs> That guy no, got real hurt That guy got got genuinely hurt. did you So fun fact did you know they shot the boat chase first like in terms of like production schedule. really? Yeah, it ballsy. was like the first thing they shot, which is ballsy on two levels because number one, that's an incredibly elaborate set piece. And number two, um, I, I and then part of the reason I think they use a lot of doubles um, was because that's the end of the movie. So like Travolta and Cage didn't spend a lot of time together at that point, like sort of, I mean, you never film a movie in order, but like you would have thought they would film some stuff earlier so that they could kind of get the the lay of the land for each character. So it's like they didn't really quite have yet how they were going to approach the character, which I guess. I guess it's maybe okay because it's just every they're just shouting at each other by yeah. the end of it and carving their own face so it's like it's yeah. probably okay but it, it you wouldn't know it based on the movie I, like it no. works like it, from an emotional and like storytelling level but like yeah they shot that that was the first thing they shot was that that's sequence. nuts yeah that's insane and then it, i mean that whole like final leg in the movie starting with the standoff in the church with the doves the john Woo yeah, movie, of course you have to have yeah. the doves um, and, the, and the Mexican standoff, the yep, with the gunfu Yep, absolutely. To much like the uh, the. Um, I don't know. Have you seen the Better Tomorrow movies? I have not. Um, oh, okay, I highly recommend them. But the second one like ends up with like there's like a house where there's like, a huge like compound shootout, and like it's very reminiscent of that. But uh, yeah, starts with the gunfu ends with an incredible boat chase, which you explain in detail, and then like ends with just them shouting at one another. <laughs> i'm ready ready
0: for the big round baby
1: it's just myself all the time it's just amazing i i i don't like i don't know i'm grateful this movie got made in the way that it that it did it shouldn't have but it it i thank god it did
0: (laughs) yes that's i think that's a perfect little cherry on top for for the feelings about face off is that say that it's bad say that it's just too weird say that it's fucking incredible say what you will about it but like thank god that face off exists because yes. like it's in the way that it's presented and the way that it really has lasted throughout the years people still talk about face off often case oh, of yeah. point, here's an episode on it like is because of the the craft
1: that went into making this weird ass little movie Agreed. Could not say better myself. I guess before we do sort of wrap up here, since it sounds like we're heading that way, how do you feel about the 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 sequel that's in development? There's a sequel to Face Off that's in development. Supposedly, uh, I mean, not supposedly, like uh, it's in development, but supposedly Cage and Travolta are to return, and what? The, and and the people behind it are Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett of the guests. Oh, and you're next. Yeah. Yep. Adam Wingard's to direct it, and they uh, Simon Barrett's supposed to write it. I, I felt awful about it, and now I feel cautiously optimistic about it. That's kind of how I feel about it as well. When when it was because because I had heard because the initial reports was like that Adam Wingard was doing a, a face off, and I thought it was like a reboot. Yeah. And so I was like, I mean, I like Adam Wingard, but I was like, I don't, I don't know. We don't need another, like, you know, like a reboot of face off. And then the, like the the like follow-up report was, oh no, it's a sequel to this movie. And I was like, okay. Troy survived? That's yeah. what I'm wondering. Cause I'm and like they swapped
0: mm-hmm. his, his body back.
1: Maybe they just took his face. I don't know. <laughs> I d- he was carving it off. Uh, yeah. uh yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I guess they're they're not gonna take it
0: off of Sean Archer and just throw it in the trash, but like I well, he gets it died. Yeah, I mean, he
1: did. Yeah, I. It's that's weird. I don't know how. I don't know. I mean, I'll watch it. I'll watch it, too. I, I don't know how I could not. i I watch, watch Garbage Like Love on a Leash. I'll watch the sequel to Face Off. Yeah, if it's made by the, the guys, the guest, and and your next. And, I, and we both liked Godzilla versus Kong as far as Wingard's concerned earlier this year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll give it a shot. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'm cautiously optimistic is the word, for sure. And it's also one of those things, a million movies go into development. Who knows if it will actually like come to right. fruition. But if it does... I'll be there. I'll be there midnight showing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might have to fly to Boston or vice versa. So go oh, make it an event. It. Uh, yeah. Just name the place. I'll be there. That'll IMAX be great. 70 millimeter. Let's do it. <laughs> Shoot this on 70 <laughs> They might, I don't know. We'll see. Um anyway. Um <laughs> before we sign off, uh, next week episode, yeah. uh, it's my pick, and we're gonna be talking about one of my favorite subjects. Probably we'll do more episodes about it in the future, but we're going to be talking about exploitation. We're going to be talking about Canadian exploitation films, which I yeah. had a very, very soft spot for. Um, <laughs> at least two of the movies we're discussing. One of them, not so much, but mm. such as this show. But in the meantime, you can find all of our episodes on our website at thegoodbadwhat.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, and many others. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at what, And you can email us at thegoodthebadthewhat at gmail.com. If you're feeling generous and want to support the show, we have a donations tab on our website. And all donations will go back into the show. Whether that's to offset the cost of renting movies that we discuss or upgrading our equipment, our logo comes from Michelle Parkos. And our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find in the show notes respectfully. Chris, where can more people find you online?
0: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, THOchristo89 or on
1: Letterboxd to C underscore T-H-O-M. And you can follow me on Twitter at Riley90, that's R-Y-O-L-I-E 90, or you can follow me on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with exploitation. No more drugs for that, man.